Good day, everybody, and welcome to the Vittles and Vitals podcast, where we talk about important stuff and how that stuff connects to food, because everything connects to food. I'm Jay Reed. I'm the father. And I'm Jacob Reed. I'm the son, and we're your hosts. We've done a lot of holidays so far. We have. Covered those, and because, of course, they all have food connections. This week, we're looking at another lesser-known holiday. Depending on what circles you run in, though. Depending on what circles. This would be the holiday that I would say kind of falls in the, like, May the 4th. You know, May the 4th be with you. Apparently, March the 4th is a is like a band holiday. Found that out the March other day. March the 4th. Yeah, so you're like, I guess, marching in 4th. I should know that. See, I'm yeah. in those circles, or I used to be. Yeah, so that's a new one for you. I'll have to look that one up. I wonder what they eat on March the 4th. <laughs> I don't think they really eat something, but uh, which one are we celebrating today? So... March the 14th is National Pi Day, and that is P-I Pi, as in the Greek letter Pi, mm-hmm. as in the irrational transcendental, transcendental. I couldn't pronounce that word either. <laughs> I struggled to <laughs> pronounce regularly the other day, so. Well, I think we can pronounce Pi. So May the 14th, March the 14th, yes. is Pi Day, representing the number Pi, or mm-hmm. the ratio pi, or whatever yeah. it is. So you being the engineer, and I took some math. We come from a strong math family, so very strong. I'm kind of surprised family. that we haven't celebrated this before. But uh, your your aunt Kim may be celebrating. I'm not I sure. I think it's a. I think it's more of a recent thing. I think it's a little outside of Doc's generation to celebrate. Well, I guess isn't that true? So anyway, just to give you a brief uh, family thing, my my father is was a math professor at Mississippi State for many years. His entire career, pretty mm-hmm. much. Prior to that, he worked at NASA in Houston, at Houston. Houston, we, we have a problem, mm-hmm. that Houston. And he was projecting flight paths or something. You yeah, know, something with mathematical very skills. complicated. Yeah, and uh, I, uh, that bored him, apparently. And so he went to teach and got his doctorate in math education. And But on the other side of the family, mom's family, your mom's family, Yeah, her sister is a Ph.D. in math. Her parents both... I thought she was a master's in math. Oh, no, I think she's a PhD. Don't get me in trouble. I Okay, that's on me. One of us is wrong. <laughs> I think it's you. Okay. But then both uh, Nanny and Papa have taught math sometime mm-hmm. in their lives. So you've got... We just, we just have a lot of math. Yeah, so, a lot of math experience. So this, is a, this, this may take a greater significance in our mm-hmm. family now that we've kind of figured it out. Now that we've discovered this celebration. Right. So why is March the 14th? National Pi Day. Okay, so we're gonna get a little technical with this Pi. Keep keep it. Uh, I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep it down on a, a normal level. So Pi is basically the ratio of the circumference of a circle. So that's the outer edge of a circle. And oh. for those of you at home who are not watching this by yeah. video, he made a circle with his yeah, fingers. Yeah, the circle over its diameter, which is the distance across from one end of the circle to the other. He made a straight line with his finger. Okay. So basically, if you divide any circle's circumference, so that's the area or the length around, divided by its diameter, you're going to get approximately over 3, closer to 3.14. I just remember pi r squared. That's the the, uh, formula for the area of a circle, right? Yes. So as you said, a lot of equations that involve some sort of calculation of area, especially with circles or ovals and stuff that a lot of them use pi. I mean, even today I use pi for three different equations because I was sizing circular cylindrical tanks. Okay. Well, so, I was reading that it was used often in construction and engineering, mm-hmm. 
but I never ran into what. So as yeah. an engineer, and you can use it in force diagrams and stuff like that because it deals with. You can use it to work with triangles because you can break down circles into triangles. It's a whole thing, and that's actually how a lot of people disco- how we discovered what the numbers of pi were because it's all honestly it's an infinite number. Mm-hmm. But back in the early, or it has infinite decimal points, right? Yeah. It's an infinite number. It goes on. Defines an infinite number. Yeah, it goes on for infinity, and there's no pattern to it, so it you'll never see numbers like repeated in the same way, and uh, no number sequences are repeated. So it's really, really interesting. Even in the how many decimal points? Even in the thirty trillion. uh, No pattern at all. Decimal trillion decimal points. Yeah. There's there's literally That's mathematicians wacky. whose one job is to see if we can find rules to how the number of pi works. But the way that we... That sounds like a government study. It sounds like a government study. I have a whole bunch of information on that, too, if we wanted to dive into that. But enough about that. But the way that we discovered pi was really, really interesting was because a lot of people were just kind of, back in the ancient days, were just kind of taking circles and they would like measure and they would divide and stuff like that. So they all got within like three and some change. And then it was like Archimedes back in the yeah Archimedes the way back uh, yeah he took the first algorithm for it where he basically took a square and put it in a circle and then another square and he calculated using that and he kept adding sides to it so it very closer and closer was Hmm. able to get more accurate numbers the person who really like knocked it out of the park was in 1630 who was. The Austrian astronomer, I'm going to birches his name, but basically Christoph Greenberger, I'm going to say that's correct, he calculated a 38 digits of pi, which is insane back then, hmm. using a polygon or a, a straight-lined thing with 10 to the 40 sides. So that's essentially, to the naked eye, would look like a perfect circle. But if you zoomed in, it would be like... a ton of really small straight lines and that's about as close as anybody was able to get using that method and that was in what time 1630 okay that's considered one of the best hand calculated numbers of pi because we have computers now we can get a lot more accurate but you'll i mean there's supercomputers just running full time just calculating more and more and more digits of pi people's entire careers would be dedicated to finding four five additional digits of pi so pi is a ratio of those two things the circumference and the diameter so it's it's actually been around forever Mm -hmm. it's just a matter of calculating what that actual ratio is and getting it closer and getting more accurate more accurate is what we've been trying Mm -hmm. to figure out typically you only need about 30 digits of pi to do math without any error because that and i think when i did it we used 3.14 and i I still use 3.14 today or when I type it into my calculator or in my Excel spreadsheets, it kind of goes out to 30, 40. But most people, you can get away with 3.14 because once you get to, as I said, 30 digits of pi, none of our instruments are that accurate anyway. <laughs> so, like, that's about as far as you need to go to work. That makes sense. But it's really interesting. It's used in so much, and it is really cool that that was able to be discovered in that way because no matter how big the circle is, it always follows that pattern. Yeah, and I mean, as a as an engineering student, I'm sure you've 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 studied how it really came about. Whereas most of the rest of us, if we want to know about it, we just have to look at Wikipedia. Oh gosh, 
Do we need some cricket? A cricket sound? Yeah, right there? That, yeah, a little, <laughs> a little singular guy in the back, like clapping. Golf clap. So, uh, all that to get to Pi Day. Yeah. So in 1988, a guy named Larry Shaw at the Exploratorium okay. Museum in in San Francisco decided that um, it needed to be celebrated. Three point one four, March the 14th. Uh, as it happened, it's also Albert Einstein's birthday. Really? That's yep. a really so, convenient date. Right. So a nice little uh, coincidence there. Mm-hmm. So the first Pi Day celebration was there at the Exploratorium. And, of course, there, there was a circular parade. And uh... there was also pie mm-hmm. uh, to eat. So we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But they said in 2009 it became an official national holiday, official national holiday when the U.S. House passed legislation. I could not find that listed anywhere. Mm. But so I think it might have been just like a one of those one time resolutions. Yeah. That they passed. It was like slapped on the bottom end of some other bill. Right. Or it's, in like the, that. it's in the national record, but it, it's not a nobody's getting that day off. Yeah. So anything like that. So they did things like like they have a pie shrine, which is a round deal in the in the exploratorium. And okay. they have like a round little short wall around it. And so they would march around it. And I've seen pictures where people are holding up signs. So there's like a three and then a point and a one and a four. And they've got all these digits all the way, at, you know, as far as I, mm-hmm. I guess as many people as show up. Yeah. And they march around the shrine 3.14 times and sing happy sounds, birthday. Sounds like a cult like to that. me. <laughs> so here's one question. Can you celebrate Pi Day? You know how in America we say we'd put a date as like 3 14 20. Yeah. Be March the 14th of 2020. Mm. In in the Middle East, it would be 14 3. I think I just gave away the question. So yeah. In another country that does your date that way, could you have a Pi Day like this? Well, given that is you. Is it possible? Well, there is not a 14th month. Right. So you would not be able to celebrate it unless you did the 31st day of April. Is there but a th- there there's only 30. It's not. Yep. So, was... you, you, so you couldn't do a Pi Day. But that's also like a really American thing, though. Because like, only Americans Archimedes would... Archimedes was not American, and Mr. Grinnenberger, or whatever you said, was not American. But no, they helped discover Pi. But it's a very American thing to think, hmm... 3.14. Let's have pie. a party. <laughs> pie means pie, which is a dish that we all love. So let's just make up a holiday for it. But I actually do have friends that celebrate Pie Day. Um, you know, Caleb and his brother are big. I think Josh, his little brother, can recite like 60 num- digits of pie or something like that. Oh, gosh. Just off the dome because he's that kind of kid. But they like bake like six pies or something like that. I've seen... This- they're big pie people over this is there. The the Gal- yeah, the Galtney family. Yeah, well, the the Thanksgiving that we spent over there, I remember there being a lot of pies. Mm-hmm. They're they're big pie people. Well, the question I have is, you know, the, like I was mentioned earlier, the uh, formula for the area of a circle, pi r squared, which kind of bugs me because everybody knows that pi are round. Oh, <laughs> did you write these down? Or are you just like off the dome on these? Well, both. Okay, I was about to say. <laughs> it came off the dome, and then I wrote it down. Okay, okay. Because I didn't want to forget something so funny. Mm, yeah. Somewhere, there's just a, a child crying at that joke. But the the interesting thing about the Pi Day celebration at the Exploratorium is it's still going on today. Like, if you look it up, mm-hmm. it's it's happening next weekend as we record this. That's really fun. Hopefully, a lot of people will listen to this after that, but um, and they'll have a year to prepare or something yeah. like that. But. Yeah, it's still going on. Hmm. Um, yeah, the parade, the happy birthday to Albert Einstein, big deal. Um, 
So yeah, that's that's National Pie Day. Yeah, I don't really know much more about pie. So that's pretty much can't really talk. all of it right there. But we do know a lot about the other kind of pie, that P-I with an E at the end. That's right. It also has a long history, but when you compare it to Pie Day, March 14th, math pie, um, I thought, well, wouldn't it be convenient if the National Pie Day for the P-I-E pie, mm-hmm. the eating pie, was the same? But no, it is not. Of course not. Apparently, March the 14th is National Potato Chip Day. Which, I mean, I'm I'm behind a good potato chip. I am too, and I tried my best to think, well, what... How can I connect potato chips to pie? And I really struggled. I really didn't come up with anything. If you follow the good mythical kitchen, I'm pretty sure they put potato chips in a pie in one of their recipes. Well, I've had cookies with potato chips in them. Mm-hmm. So, I feel like you could do it with a pie. Maybe if you put some like Lay's in like a crust. Well, there is a, a pie. You and I maybe had a piece of this uh, when we were in North Carolina. And I know I've made this pie. Ah, uh, the saltines pie. My friend Bill Smith, chef, uh, former chef at Crook's Corner Restaurant in Chapel Hill, uh, came up with this pie, or at least kind of reimagined this pie called the Atlantic Beach Pie. Mm-hmm. And it has a saltine crust. So, so imagine, well, you don't have to imagine, graham cracker crust, you mm-hmm. know, it's basically graham cracker crumbs, butter, sugar. Yeah. This is the same kind of thing, but it used saltine crackers or some kind of, mm-hmm. some kind of savory cracker. And then it's got a lemon filling. And whipped cream. It's delicious. And it is delicious. And I think, I bet you could crunch up potato chips. I don't want to ruin Bill's pie, but mm-hmm. uh, I bet you could crunch up some potato chips in that uh, crust along with the saltines. Mm-hmm. I think you could do it. Or little... you could probably just do it with like a regular pie crust and just like incorporate. If you like made the pie dough from scratch and incorporate potato chips into it. Hmm. Not for that pie, but for Not for pie. that pie, for, but for a different pie. Maybe. Maybe but, so. So. I mean, you've put cheese in apple pie before, so. Well, oh, you did that with the cheese crust. Well, yeah. Well, that was another thing we did. One, I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm not very good at pie as mm-hmm. far as like making a for real, no. really flaky crust. There's arguments about butter or lard or Crisco or some combination of what makes flaky and, and mm-hmm. how much water and how cold is the water. I mean, we we could talk for hours about pie uh, controversies and. Um, disagreements and agreements, mm-hmm. and um, I've never really been good at crust, but I wanted to make pie, so I made Atlantic Beach pie. This is for, I think, a Thanksgiving mm-hmm. that we had, and I wanted to be different, so I had read uh, John T. Edge's book, Apple Pie. It's part of his series on uh, apple pie, donuts, fried chicken, mm-hmm. and burgers, and the he had a recipe, and I've seen other recipes for this, for an apple pie and a cheese straw crust, mm-hmm. and I was up for it because I've had apple pie with a slice of cheese melted on top of it, and it's good. I think I had that at uh, the Mistilis Cafe or the Mistilis Restaurant in Oxford when I was a student. Gotcha. So shout out to Mr. Mistilis. Um, so I had it there and thought, oh, well, that's odd, but it was good. So cheese straw and apple pie was really good, too. What I found was, though, that it was really better two or three days later. Yeah. Like when I first made it, it was good, but after that, Sort of the cheese straw crust kind of melt together a little, a little bit. bit. Yeah, yeah, it was really much better. But um, so National Pie Day was commemorated in nineteen eighty six. Not, gosh, that wasn't far before the other Pie Day. <laughs> no, but no, it is going to be on January twenty third, and it was uh, first celebrated by the American Pie Council. Surprise, and they said it was to commemorate Crisco's 
75th anniversary of serving foods to families everywhere. Hmm. So uh, that's a Crisco odd. was involved. I'm, I'm sure Crisco Crisco shelled out a check for that one, <laughs> perhaps. And then I looked at all the different pie days throughout. I go mm-hmm. to foodimentary.com. There's other other websites that talk about the different national quote unquote national holidays, and there must have been I don't know 15 or 20 different types of pies that mm-hmm. had their own day. Uh, it was crazy. National mincemeat pie, Bavarian cream pie, fried pie, pumpkin pie, banana cream, raspberry cream, strawberry. I mean, just yeah. it goes on and There's, on and on. So in that line of thought, I was doing some research, and I dived into what was the most popular pies mm-hmm. here in the uh, the country of the United States. And 12% of Americans that were polled, I don't know how many people were polled, but 12% of those uh, voted apple pie as their their favorite and you know that kind of goes with the saying and as american as apple pie yeah it is a very classic thing you know there's the story of johnny appleseed and now how his stuff came involved in pie and you know it's just every time you hear american you know people think apple pie and baseball but um followed very closely at 10 percent of the people polled was pizzas so mm. now we have to have the discussion. Raises a question: Does pizza count as a pie? What defines a pie? So, starting with the first one, do you think pizza would be considered a pie? Without diving deep into the definition, whatever that might be, is I would say yeah, only because you hear pizza pie mm-hmm. as a phrase so often, yeah. and it is a it is a crust with more or less a filling. And if you think, well, it doesn't have edges, well pan pizza. I mean, there are ways to do it that have edges like that. And not even all sweet pies have edges. You've got Mm -hmm. slab pies and you've got, whatchamacallits, um, got deep dish. Deep dish pizza? No, I'm talking about. Those have edges. Right. So slab pies, galettes don't always have, uh, there's there's all kinds of pies that are more flat. Mm -hmm. So I'm good with it. Yeah, no, I was going to agree with you. I think we... And then you got fried pies, too, which are like handheld and completely covered, and they call that pie, too. That's like a calzone. It is like a... Is a calzone merely calzone? a fried pie version of a pizza? Hmm. That's, that's a good question. That's some new I arguments like the, right there. I like the, the sound of that. But, no, going off what you were saying, I think I'm in agreement with you that a pie could be defined as anything with a crust and a filling, and if you look at it, pizzas are a crust with a kind of filling. Yeah. So I would go with the argument that a pizza is a pie because there are so many different pies that you do to the point where you can take jello and toss it in a pre-made crust and it still be considered a pie. <laughs> well, you know, I was at a, a, a Southern Foodways Lance Symposium back in 2013 and had one of the most interesting uh, events that I've ever seen at these symposia. And it was a cake versus pie debate okay so we had Kat kinsman who has a podcast with food and wine i believe and she's written for cnn food and Mm -hmm. all kinds of uh other uh news organizations she was the pie debater okay and then kim severson who writes for the new york times uh was the cake person and it was really fascinating i mean it was very well put together one Mm -hmm. of the best debates i've seen there uh, and I was watching a little bit of it the other day, and Kat said this. She goes, basically, pie is flour, fat, and filling. I can see that. So if you, I mean, going back to your your pizza discussion, I mean, you've got you got flour, flour, you there's got a lot of fat, yeah, and, and there's uh, a filling. There's a filling, yeah. So pretty much, I like it. 
Uh, now that's very loose definition, very broad, but yeah. So I'm good with that. Yeah. And I guess I just wanted to ask, you know, what do you, do you have some, some memories of pie that you, that come to mind? Uh, the key ones that come to mind, uh, and we kind of mentioned it before was the biggest one is when we went to the Galtney's for, uh, Thanksgiving that one year and we watched, uh, pumpkin chunkin. Do you remember that show Yes, I do. where they used to shoot pumpkins? Yes. But there's this thing where if the pumpkin broke, they called it a pumpkin pie. If it like broke in the the cannons or the trebuchets and all the stuff, and when we went over there, they're big pie people, so they had all this pumpkin pie. So me and Caleb ate like four slices a piece. But while we were watching the show, every time uh, a pumpkin was pied, we ate a piece or like ate a couple bites of a pumpkin pie. So kind of like a drinking game, but with pumpkin. Yeah, pie. essentially a drinking game <laughs> with uh, pumpkin pie. So that's like one of the big ones to stick out. Uh, the classic, you know, the Atlantic pie and the the cheese straw pie. I remember both of those very distinctly just because they're so unique. Um, and also, like, I remember making my first pie because I think my first pie was that I like ever... two weeks ago? Yeah, it was two <laughs> weeks ago when I made that lemon icebox pie, which I think was the first pie that I had ever made myself. And I will admit, I, go? I think it was delicious. Um, <laughs> for hand mixing everything... You know, like came out not too lumpy, which I was proud of because, yeah, it was kind yeah. of a last minute like, ah, kind of situation. But I think it went really well. But I'm trying to eat healthier as well. So, like, I want to expand my baking and stuff, but also, like, I got to be mm-hmm. healthy. So, you know, it's like that weird dichotomy yeah. would be the word. Yeah. Sort of the balance. Yeah, the balance. Yeah. One of the things, I, did, I haven't been to this. I would love to go to this. But mm-hmm. I, when I first started listening to podcasts one of the one of the ones i listened to was called good food it's a mm-hmm. it's a radio show from kcrw out in san francisco i believe okay and that's definitely in california um and it actually may be in la sorry mm-hmm. sorry uh but evan Kleiman is the hostess or the host i'm <laughs> i'm gonna get in trouble here but anyway she started this pie contest the good food okay. pie contest and they have some big names come out there and it's still going on i looked it up the other day that's that April 19th if you live in California. I know we have tons and tons of yeah, listeners so in California. Many. So try to get to the Good Food Pie Contest. Um, you and I have actually had uh, some really good fried pie. Do you remember that? The At the barbecue place? At the Golden Rule Barbecue. Yes, in, that was uh, good. Birmingham, Alabama. They had, I think we got a peach and an apple. Mm-hmm. And um, so for a fried pie, I need it to be crisp. Mm-hmm. I need it to be sweet. Mm-hmm. I need it to have plenty of seasoning. Yeah. I've had some that, that were limp mm-hmm. and sort of tasteless, and, you know, that's that's just a waste of calories. Yeah. Now, with those pies, you definitely could, like, take it and hear the crunch mm. as you, like, snapped them, essentially snapped them open. Yeah, and they could hold up to, to ice cream. Yeah. They, you know, that's another thing that we haven't talked about is, that, you know, whether or not pie a la mode is good or bad. What do you think? I think it depends on the pie. All right. Because some of them... Some of those like fruity pies like really deserve a little bit of creaminess mm-hmm. on top of them, but like I wouldn't put it with like a cheese straw crust or like the mm-hmm. Atlantic crust because so I feel like those in and of themselves go really well together. Because I feel like ice cream with cheese just would not go as well together. 
So an apple pie in a normal crust would be okay, but not in the cheese straw crust. Yeah, I would make that argument because I think there's just too many flavors going around with the, the yeah. cheese. To crust. me, it's not so much the flavor, but the the texture. Mm-hmm. I like ice cream with hot or at least warm pie. Yeah, but you know, it starts to melt and you just have a soggy mess at the mm-hmm. end. So I kind of prefer. I mean, I'll eat it in one bowl mm-hmm. and enjoy it, and. If you do it that way, it's more like bite variety. Yeah. But if you want bite consistency, you have the ice cream in one bowl and the pie on a plate or another bowl, and you take bites mm. and you know just you make each bite separately so that your ice cream stays more or less chilled and doesn't melt into you know ice milk at the end. Well, I will make the argument that I typically don't take that long to eat a slice of pie a la mode. That's a good point. So usually mine is still solid when I'm I'm going for it. <laughs> That's an excellent point. One of the one of my favorite pie memories is going to the pie lab in Greensboro, Alabama, which you have also been to with me. Do I do not this? remember that. Oh wait, wait, wait. Is that the uh the one with all the, the all the different pies? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The pie lab is was, was formed, I don't remember the year, but in Greensboro, Alabama and the whole idea they, they this is more or less a quote from their website. It's founded on the uh, founded on the idea that Simple things like delicious pie and good conversation can bring us together and spread joy. So the idea of whoever came up with this was to bring the community together. Mm-hmm. So they have a restaurant. Uh, they serve lunch. I don't know if they serve dinner, but it's like one of these places where you have two or three things to choose from every day. Mm-hmm. And when you go in, like most of the tables in there are community tables. Yeah. So it's not like two two chairs at a table mm-hmm. for the most part. It's like ten it's like a yeah. almost like a cafeteria mm-hmm. from school kind of situation. So I went there by myself one time on the way to Florida, um, and that's kind of the thing. Greensboro is not really on the way to anywhere, yeah, unless you live in that area. So if you're coming like we do from Mississippi, if you're going to Florida, you know we made it work. Yeah, uh, and then we were going to I believe Mobile mm-hmm. when we all went as a family. I dragged all y'all yeah. there. It was and, a good stop, though. Which was good because there was, what, six of us, mm-hmm. and we you could get six tip. pieces of pie different, and we mm-hmm. could all try it. So I highly recommend that. And one of the quotes on the wall there um, was from a guy named David Mamet. I'm probably butchering that name. Probably. But he was a playwright that wrote Glengarry Glen Ross, I believe. So that's a pretty famous uh, play. And this is what he said. We must have pie. Stress cannot exist in the presence of a pie. So I, I kind of agree with that. And when you think about pie versus cake, mm-hmm. I mean, it, cake has its role. Cake has yeah. its place at birthdays, weddings, and other other type of uh, events. And, you know, I love a good caramel cake. I mm-hmm. uh, had some amazing strawberry cake just the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, but pies just have that diner, that, that community mm-hmm. feel. And I've I experienced that. Uh, a couple of different places. One is at Three Sisters Pie Company, mm-hmm. which is over in Columbus. Talk about that one too. Uh, around my birthday last year, I think we ended up going there twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, once for a birthday uh, dessert, and then like maybe a few days later, went back. <laughs> we yeah, were over there. You're welcome for that. So that was a lot of fun, and it that whole place just have a, has a vibe of community. I mean, mm-hmm. There's people there playing games, people there just hanging out, all kinds of. It's just it was just a comfortable place. Mm-hmm. Um, Good seating. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Um, and then another place. This is this is getting way on the way back bus to Oxford back in the late '80s when I was in school. Mm-hmm. It was a place called the Hoka Theater and Cafe. Okay, uh, a guy named Ron Shapiro owned that. Uh, R.I.P. Ron. He passed away this past year. Mm. 
And he had something called the hot fudge pie. Okay. And I've made it a couple times, and um, it's really amazing, especially when it's hot. Ooh. Um, but it has a. It's not what you would imagine. It's not really fudgy like like a piece of fudge. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's thick and it it's more cakey. Um, but that with a scoop of ice I cream on it is really just amazing. And uh, I say that about the bringing people together because the Hoka was kind of a place for for everybody, mm-hmm. uh, and from one extreme to the other of personalities. And um, I mean, I like going there because they had good cheesecake and good hot fudge yeah. pie. And uh, and then over the years, that was my college days. Well, in the in the past ten years, uh, I kind of got to know Ron again. And it's like every time I went to Oxford, I would see him. He was everywhere. I mean, mm-hmm. it didn't matter what I was there for or what I was doing. It seemed like I ran into him. As we kind of got to know each other, when well, these were brief meetings, but as we kind of got to know each other a little bit and kept seeing each other, what he would say to me is, "Hey, welcome home." Mm. And that was kind of it. But you know, that started with pie. That whole relationship started with pie. Another one before is, you get off this, um, you were saying <laughs> that people were talking about, you know, cake has a place at weddings. Somebody I know actually had pies instead of cakes, so they like baked a bunch of different pies for their wedding. And I like, like that, people just came and they like, oh, I want a slice of pumpkin, so they cut a little slice cool. out of the pumpkin, or they want, I want apples, so they cut a little slice out of the apple. Brilliant, brilliant. It was really interesting. And I think we should Very say aesthetically pleasing as well. I think we should dive. I mean, we should divert just here for a second and say that this is the the third pa- first podcast that we have made since you got engaged. I have. So congratulations to thank you, you and Lindsay. Uh, she asked the other day if we were going to start saying her name now uh, instead of the girlfriend. The girlfriend. So well, well the jury's still out on She's that. Been named. Yeah. So I guess the last real pie story I have, it'll start now and end it later, is when I was growing up, we'd go to my grandmother's house in Belmont, Mississippi, and her one of her best friends was Elba Tiffin, and Elba made this amazing caramel pie. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just can't express to you how wonderful this was, and we all thought, well, this is just Elba's you know, secret yeah. recipe and all. Later, we, we, we found out that she got it out of a newspaper. Nice. And it was like one of three or four flavors you can make with this sort of general recipe. <laughs> But whatever she did, she did it well, mm. and always requested it when we went. I mean, I had no business requesting it mm. from somebody else's grandmother. But. Yeah. All right, you know what those drum beats are. Dad, what's your flavor for this week? Well, my favorite is going to be a little continuation of the caramel pie story. Let's go for it. When we were overseas... One year I decided I didn't want cake for my birthday. I wanted Naturally. pie. So I asked your mother if she would make me a chocolate pie, and she did, and it was delicious. Mm-hmm. Later, after we ate the chocolate pie, I said, you know, I would have asked for caramel pie because that's really my favorite, but I knew that was, you know, impossible to do here. And she goes, really? So a few days later, I come back home, and guess what's waiting for me? There's a caramel pie. There's a caramel pie. And it wasn't exactly the same as Anna was. But it was amazing. So I'm just going to share quickly that recipe because some people know this, but not everybody does. This came from the Newcomer's Guide to Cooking in Africa. And it's called the Boiled Caramel Pie from Jeannie W. There's only initials for last names in this cookbook. So the, the general gist of it is you, you bake a pie shell, you know, however you do that, whether it comes from Kroger or you yeah. make it yourself, let it cool. And you take a can or two, depending on how many pies you want to make. 
of sweetened condensed milk. So like mm-hmm. Eagle brand sweetened condensed yeah. milk. You cover it with water and boil the whole can, you know, yeah. solidly for two to three hours. Now, two to three hours is kind of a wide range. But yeah. anyway, you have to keep it covered with water. You kind of have to watch it. Mm-hmm. But once once you boil it for two to three hours, you let it cool. You open it up, and you've got this amazing caramel inside. Hmm. And I've done it for pies. I've done it for other things when I need a caramel. It's a little bit labor-intensive in that yeah. you have to watch it, but you can do plenty of other stuff. You just got to make sure it stays covered with water. Now, her recipe has to put the cooled caramel into the pie shell, slice bananas on top, and then whipped cream. Mm-hmm. That's very good, mm-hmm. but it's it's pretty. It's really better with just the, the just caramel. The caramel. So that's my favorite is the boiled caramel pie. Sweet. Uh, so my favorite this week is not as much a, a thing, but a, I guess a habit, Ooh, I would say. A flavorate habit. I know. but um, I have learned that at least our local coffee shops, but I'm pretty sure most coffee shops, will actually cut you a discount if you bring your own mug, oh. which I've found to be actually kind of really fun because a good like heavy-duty ceramic mug is going to hold heat a lot better than whatever plastic or paper cup they give you and it also just allows it to be a little bit more unique so if you remember like really early in 929 days they had all the our local coffee our local coffee one of our local coffee but they had they had the mugs that you could take and then over time they kind of got rid of that and stuff so you can't even get it in a mug now i don't i don't think so i think it or if it comes in a mug it's like a standard mug now but you get a 10 percent discount if you bring your own mug Huh. And they just charge you for a small, no matter how big the coffee cup is. So I'll bring a, a solid, like, 12-ounce ceramic mug. Like a big, uh, yeah, like a good take solid. Take your big Starbucks city mug in there that holds yeah. five cups of coffee. And then they just, you know, charge you charge you the $2 and change. Huh. And lo and behold, there's a a nice little cup of coffee for you. Awesome. And it's it's really fun because like other college students have kind of figured it out. So you go in, and like the they baristas in line with their mugs. Yeah, but the baristas are like loving it because they see all these really cool, unique mugs. So nice, very that's nice. My thing. Bring your own mug, and it helps cut down on waste. There you go. No turtles will die. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed it and think others might enjoy it too, please share. Please give us a five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you found this. And they are legion. You can find us on the worldwide interweb at Vittle Vital Pod on Instagram and Twitter, Vittles and Vitals Podcast on Facebook, and we'd love to hear from you. If you have an idea of a subject you'd like to hear us cover, shoot us a DM. And remember, if it's vital, look for the Vittles. <laughs>